Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome to the Inside Try Show with Helen Murray. This is the podcast that takes a deeper look at the sport with in-depth interviews and special episodes to keep you entertained and inspired while you're training. All right, and we're off. Let's go. Hello and welcome to episode 175 of the Inside Tri Show. I'm Helen Murray and each week on the podcast I bring you awesome interviews from triathlon and beyond. So welcome along if you are listening to this for the first time. It is good to have you here. There are a whole load of other episodes waiting for you. If this is your first time listening, there's so much to choose from in the archive. So from swimming in Antarctica with Kath Pendleton to the Reverend Kate Botley taking on her first triathlon to the amazing Sophie Gasson, who you probably don't know, but she swam the channel at the age of 53 on her second attempt just a normal mum. There are world champions. There is a little bit of everything, to be honest. So you can find it all over at insidetrishow.com or to be honest, wherever you are listening to this, you can see the others as well. So please do share with your friends and your training buddies. So this week's guest is a lovely Helen Jenkins. You might know her already through her work with her spirit. And Helen has actually been on the podcast previously. But this time, it's a very, very different interview because I wanted to do an episode specifically aimed at beginners and people fairly new to the sport of triathlon or people who perhaps just lack a bit of confidence when it comes to all things swim, bike, run. So I asked all of the questions that you might not want to ask or you might think, I can't ask that, it's too stupid, I'll get laughed at. Oh no, 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 no. This is a place to fill your trainers with confidence and your swim hat with positivity so then you can take on a triathlon or step up in distance. So there is so much information from Helen in this episode and I hope you find it really, really useful. So we'll be coming to that very shortly. For regular listeners, we will do a bit of news and story, by the way, at the end. Time for this week's interview. So you're going to find out all you need to know about getting into triathlon. 
with three times Olympian and two times triathlon world champion Helen Jenkins. Helen shares her coaching expertise and her experience to explain everything from equipment to transition, nutrition to training plans. There are no silly questions. It is well worth a listen if you are getting into triathlon so then you can feel prepared and most importantly confident and ready to have fun on race day. Helen Jenkins, welcome back to the Inside Tri Show. Helen, quick one, how are you doing? I'm good, thank you. Thank you for having me back on. I was really excited when I got your email, especially when I thought we were talking about beginners try. So a bit of a change from what I normally talk about. I know, right. Do you remember? Do you remember your first triathlon? Vaguely. I did a few when I was really young. Um, I really wasn't that into it. They were pool swims, really. My dad was doing it, so I did a few. And um, I remember doing one and I was really sick. I was like, I wasn't well. And I was just like, I did it. I was like, and it put me off for years. So, but when I started back then, I was a bit more into it. But I do vividly remember my first open water swim triathlon. And it was, it was quite daunting. It was quite scary. I think I almost stopped, but I was very proud that I kept going. So I'm like, it's really good to go back to basics because when you've been doing triathlon for years, you forget about these little things you felt when you first went to races and like all the tips and stuff. Hopefully you can give some really good tips that will help people be confident if they're thinking about taking on triathlon. Oh, definitely. I, I remember, I do definitely remember mine. And because I, I think with triathlon, a lot of people might be used to perhaps doing a bit of running or maybe they they just do cold water swimming or maybe they just enjoy going out on their bike but actually when you then have to bring it all together as one event but you're doing all three elements of it it can be quite daunting uh, logistically as well yes. when you turn up to a park run you just have your, your trainers you rock up with your barcode and off you go and for a triathlon there's so I mean it's oh, swimming cold water swimming there's more to it but yeah, it's um, it, there is a lot of logistics, so I think that is one that sometimes can feel a little bit overwhelming. Definitely right. Well, we're going to come to all of that, but let's start with the very, very most basic thing ever. What exactly is a triathlon? So we have a swim first, then a bike, then a run, and it. I think what's brilliant about triathlon is there's so many different distances you can do. Um, and even if you don't like swimming, you could maybe start off with a duathlon, which is run, bike, run. But basically, triathlon goes from super sprint distance, which is you know quite short, quite manageable, of not too much training, then all the way up to Ironman distance and beyond. So Ironman is probably the longest race that most people tend to do. So there is something out there for everyone, I think, depending on what your motivation level, your time is, your your fitness. So, and in general, I think triathlon is quite a friendly sport. So Although it's very intimidating, the people inside the sport, once you get in there, are quite friendly and supportive, whatever your level. And you mentioned super sprint. That doesn't necessarily mean that you have to go harder and faster than (laughs) something else, which would be longer, called the Olympic distance. Exactly. Yes. Sprint makes it sound like you're going to have to go faster. But no, that's just the distances that are done. So super sprint would be the smallest, the shortest try, then up to sprint. And then it's with sprint distances, 750 meters swim, 20 kilometer bike, 5k run. Hope I'm getting all this right now. <laughs> then Olympic distance, which is the distance which is competed, the Olympic athletes compete at. That's double the uh, sprint. Then you're moving up then to half Ironman or middle distance, which is 1.9 kilometer swim. It's 
six seventy. I talk. I always go from kilometers in the swim to miles on the bike. Then yeah, so it's it's a ninety k bike, isn't it? Ninety k bike, and then a half marathon to finish. Then you double that for the full Ironman distance. So that's a really long way. It wouldn't. You know, when people say you're going to do try, you don't have to. Um, that's what people might know as triathlon. It's obviously there's a lot that can you can do, which uh, takes a lot less time. And so let's then let let's start off with a, a sprint triathlon. You've you've mentioned the distances. Um, what exactly might you need for a sprint triathlon? And then you can do some swims in the pool. So if it's a pool swim, you need a little bit less. So if it's open water, generally in the UK, if you're in the UK, it's you'd require a wetsuit as well. So you would um, a swimsuit or a tri suit. This is like a triathlon kind of race suit, uh, a wetsuit, which is different because people say some people will call a wetsuit a tri suit as well, which can be very confusing. <laughs> it's very helpful. But generally, something you want to compete in, your wetsuit would go over the top of that. You'll need goggles. You're generally provided with a swim hat at the event. Then you're moving on to sort of the bike session section. You need a, a bike that you is, is roadworthy that you can ride. You need a helmet. So you're not allowed to compete without a helmet. You don't need bike shoes. You can do it in your normal. Well, you need trainers then to ride in. Then you move forward for the run. You're going to need trainers. Any additional things you may want to put on clothing-wise, like a cycle top or um, socks, you're going to need those. And also something which is quite small, which is people won't forget, is a, a race belt where you'd kind of most races you need a number that and having a race belt is a really easy way to have it on without putting holes in your you know nice kit. <laughs> I think that's um probably the basics of what you would need, but there is other things which can be added to oh, maybe like a bottle as well, a water bottle for kind of even on a super sprint you might want to have to take a drink with you. And the 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 race belt thing, just describe what exactly is a, a race belt and, and where can you get them from? Uh, so a race belt is like a stretchy piece of elastic uh, that you clip round with like a, a just a buckle clip, isn't it? And you'd pin that on there and you generally buy them at triathlons because people always sell them at a lot of big triathlons. I did. <laughs> yeah, I think I've got so many race belts because I always forget my race belt when buying one at a race. Um, and you can order them online from like lots of different tri shops or so many retailers would be selling them now. But I think as I definitely progressed through my career, I used to have this little bag I can have to keep everything in there. So all the little things I would take to a race, like um, Vaseline and talc, I'll just explain those now as well. Sort of safety pins for numbers, elastic bands, just all these little last minute bits of race belt. I would keep all together in a bag. So I would like before a race, I wouldn't be like searching all over for it. But like Vaseline and talc are things which might, you're just going to make your ride. I used to put them inside my shoes so I didn't kind of cut or I could get my bike shoes on quicker so these are little tips they're not essential for your first race but things you may add in as you kind of like triathlon and really want to kind of progress with it and I think we'll come we'll come back to why you might need those things um in in a little bit but in in this triathlon let's say we've entered we've entered our sprint right how does it actually work like do you 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 turn up on on race day like what what the heck happens in the sprint let's go with a pool sprint by the way (laughs) Yeah, well, I think every try is going to be different where where you need to go. So I would always read all of the information that's sent to you by the, the race organisers. There's always going to be a lot there of what time you're starting, what wave you're going to be in, because they can't start. Say we're talking about a pool swim and there's 100 people entered. 
you can't all start together. So you'll be given a start time, generally based on what your estimated time for the swim might be. So you would um, make sure you've got all that. I would always give myself a lot of time, especially if it's your first event. You don't want to get down there and be rushing, like last minute trying to kind of get your bike sorted or rack your bike, um, all of those kind of things. You just need to make sure you've got a bit of time. Uh, walk through the venue when you get there so where am I coming out the swim because you might have had a map but it's good to see it where am I exiting the pool where's my bike in transition so where you rack your bike might look completely different as you're kind of running out the pool with your heart rate a bit high and a bit flustered so really having a good sort of map in your mind of where your bike is just kind of going through those things when you get there I'd say would be really important and yeah big bag for all of your stuff and extras as well because you know you never know what the weather's going to be and although you're doing a pool swim you're going to be cold afterwards taking lots of warm stuff to put things on afterwards and I'll just be over prepared if possible and the actual event like you you really do go from swimming then you get on your bike and then you run right it is like all in one go all in one go. So the parts in between coming out the swim to getting on your bike, that's sort of T1, transition one, and then getting off the bike to get starting the run, that's going to be T2. What's co- what will be the same at every triathlon is there's going to be a mount line and a dismount line. So you never get on your bike be- until you've passed that mount line. And it'll be different, obviously, wherever you go, but that's a standard rule. And then you're always going to get off before that mount line. And there's lots of rules within triathlon but really simple ones are your helmet has to be on if you're moving with your bike and once you rack your bike you can take your helmet off but whilst you have your hands on your bike make sure that helmet is on I mean they're the two really big rules that you could kind of get a DQ for there is other rules about assistance but as long as you follow those kind of guidelines around transition yeah you would be um you'd be fine (laughs) and and Helen is it is it really obvious where to get on and off your bike I'd say most races I've done, even small local ones, which are often like the most fun events as well, because there's you get like such a good sort of camaraderie between like the athletes and tri clubs. But there'll always be, if there's not a physical line, there's going to be some people waving flags, shouting at you to mount your bike, mount your bike. And hopefully you'll be around other people as well. And you can kind of see where they are going and not going. And I mean, I went to um, some kids triathlons oh, years ago. And they were coming out there. They were just doing a swim. I think they were doing a swim run. They might not have even done like the the bike section. So they're coming running out of the pool. They're running up to their little box outside, and they were kind of getting their trainers on. One girl stood there like brushing her hair, like and she, she didn't. She had no comp. Like, she was, like they're all toweling themselves off because often in triathlon you just you pretty much get out of the pool and you get on your bike and you're still wet from the pool. And I've heard people saying, well, you must be freezing, you're still wet, but you just don't feel it in a race. And most triathlons are over the summer. Yeah. So it's, although it's not, it's not going to be winter temperatures, although to be honest, I have done a few, isn't it? You can where it's felt like winter, even if it's been June. Um. So most of the time you just go out wearing like your tri-suit so you, there is the option. I think if you've started, though, you definitely, if you want to towel yourself down and put on a cycle top or put on some cycle shorts with some extra comfort, I mean, that's, that's you should do whatever you want to do to get through the first one or the first ones. It, it really doesn't matter. It's about kind of getting through and doing it. And I don't think it's try and be intimidated by somebody who's doing this super quick transition next to you. It's just 
doing what you need to do to get through it. So if that means stopping, toweling off and putting on some more clothes, then that's absolutely fine. And Helen, you said before about racking your bike. What does that actually mean? I know. I know. Okay, sorry. This is really good why it's good to dive into it because all these things I'm just saying, which sounds, if you're a beginner, you're like, what are you talking about? So generally transitioners, I'm thinking now of like the more local, smaller ones I've done, you'll have like a, a bar of like scaffolding yeah. or something, sort of a where you would have leave your bike. So you would kind of hang your bike saddle onto the onto the bars and then that's where it would be when you come out you're generally sometimes you're allocated a spot like that's mm. where you'll go or sometimes it's a general area or and that's where you'd put your bike and then do you have so do you have anything else with your obviously your helmet but is that the same place that then you would leave your trainers as well yeah, so your so where you rack your bike would be your spot. So quite often you'll see people lay down like a small towel or something. So it kind of marks their area, their zone. Territory. <laughs> it seems like getting your elbows out before the start of a run, is it? Right, this is my space. So it's a really good way to do it because you you know your towel as well. Some events might not let you, but I'm thinking like the more small ones you might be able to. So let's imagine we're getting to the race. We've got there, we've got our bike, we've got our big bag of kits. So we're going to walk up, we're going to we go and register when we get there. Um, you have to register with the event, maybe show your, if you've got like a membership number or anything, or just whatever you need to do. Then you'll be maybe giving your swim hat, a timing chip. So the timing chip's another thing we haven't talked about. about that. And then we'll go and put our bike in transition. So we'll put our bike there. We'll put our, if you're going to have bike shoes on, you put your bike shoes next to them or bit more advanced you might clip them onto your bike that's where your helmet's going to go and this is where your brand shoes go so anything you're going to need for within the race like if you were taking any nutrition with you on the run if it's a sunny day you've got a cap in there you've got sunglasses you've got that towel socks all of that stuff you would have by your bike in transition a good tip as well when you're racing in the uk is to keep this stuff inside a carrier bag I mean, not like a carry bag that's tied up, but kind of a carrier bag lying on its side, half open. So if it does torrentially rain, at least you've got your tra- trainers might not complete, completely soaked for the time you put them on. Fantastic. I think that's really, really helpful. Um, timing chip. What's that then? You said about the timing chip. So I think, I don't know, do most races use timing systems? I think most. Yeah, I think most do. I think, I think so. A timing chip is what's going to measure your time through the event. So you would put it on generally around your ankle. And then um, the timing chip does the rest. Then as you go through certain areas of the course, you'll run over like a rubber matted area and it tends to like beep as you run over it. And that's the kind of the the chip measuring where you've got to. Now, sometimes you can lose these chips. It just happens in race, but you will get an overall finish time because you'll be marked off by the finishers, but you just might not get your specific splits. I mean, I think when you're first starting try, I don't know the time is really relevant anyway. It's just about going and getting it done. And even when you start progressing, it's really hard to compare courses and times. That's why that's one of the things I do love about triathlon because I came from a swimming background where, you know, every tenth of a second or hundredth of a second to get that PD counted. So to go to triathlon where it didn't matter what time I did, the swim time didn't matter because one was in a sea or one was in a lake or one was a bit long, one was a bit short, there was a current... I found that so like freeing because it wasn't about specifically the time. It was about just just where I finished and doing the doing you know, doing the race and enjoying it. Definitely. And one thing that I think a lot of people worry about is, and Jenny makes this point, you know, but I can only 
do breaststroke, right? Does it matter if you can only do breaststroke? And I don't even want to say can only. Does it matter if you could do breaststroke? I think, especially if it's a pool-based swim, I don't think it matters. I mean, you just want to do a try. Um, I would definitely suggest maybe doing um, a shorter triathlon, like a sprint or super sprint, because it's breaststroke is like it is a slower than front crawl, so it might take you a bit longer to do. So, but just generally in times, sometimes they have cutoffs. If you don't make it to a certain point within a time, then you're it's, the cutoffs are very big and generous. You probably make it doing breaststroke anyway, but no, you don't have to. I think if you want to progress in the sport, you would maybe want to mix that up, do a bit of breaststroke, a bit of freestyle, or even invest in some, doing some swimming lessons or swimming so you can kind of do some front crawl and that would make the this make you go quicker, I guess. Yeah. But to do your first ones, no, I, I think you're fine to do breaststroke. And I've seen open water races as well where people might set off doing freestyle and then we haven't talked about this yet either sorry let's <laughs> keep going back to explain this but an open water course say you're doing a sprint triathlon 750 meters it'll be you'll have a start position generally in the water you'll swim out to a certain distance maybe 300 meters there might be a boy in the water which you swim around swim to the next boy swim to the next boy then you might swim back into the swim exit so it'd be all explained to you beforehand but it's really making sure that you um, you could do freestyle to a certain point, then swim breaststroke around the boys, just where it might be a bit more congested. There might be some more people. So I think it's really doing whatever you need to do to get through it. And I always think as well, I mean, I don't want to promise this, but it's highly likely you will not be the only one doing breaststroke. No, oh, no, no, definitely not. Especially if you pick the right race. If you're going for like a local race or something, I mean, I wouldn't go for a really big race for your first one but even um one of the bigger races like london try like that that has loads of people competing at the same time then you're always going to get people doing breaststroke because people have entered it and they just want to go down there and and kind of do it and get it done that's exactly it yeah no i i I don't think i've seen a triathlon um like local i mean or just most triathlons i've been involved in whereby someone is people people are not doing front crawl you know so it's absolutely fine if yeah just kind of crack on I would say um Anna had a good question Helen which is right how do you cope this is for an Olympic distance race um but I think the same could be said for the sprint but basically how do you cope with the bike ride with the limited padding of a triathlon suit so this is what we were saying before. So if you don't wear a swimming costume, you might be in this triathlon suit. So it's like a uh, an all-in-one lycra, a bit like cycling shorts and then like a tight lycra top, but it's all in one. Yeah, it's. Uh, I think it is a bit more uncomfortable. And if you're really worried about it, I would suggest maybe putting on some bike shorts over the top of it um, just to give yourself a bit of extra padding or maybe like a thin, another thin pair of um, triathlon shorts. But generally, I think you just have to... So I think the adrenaline of the race kicks in a little bit and you just don't really notice it. You might be... You might feel a bit more sore the next day, because, but generally when you're racing, I'd say a lot of these things kind of go out the window because you're, you know, it's, it's something you train for, you really work towards it. And there is that... It's not like a normal training session. You get that excitement of doing it. So I'd say... If you're really worried, add on an extra layer of padding, but it's just for the bike section. But I don't think you would uh, notice it too much just with what's going on in the race and kind of the people around you and, and that focus you have. 
it take yeah it takes your mind off uh, other things doesn't it and then kind of going back to swimming but we could relate it to cycling or running as well when you are not good at swimming says Alex how do you motivate yourself to do that discipline so I guess to get in the pool and to do that bit of training but Alex points out it it doesn't have to be swimming it could be running or biking so yeah if you're if you think I'm rubbish at that and you're not really motivated to actually do it how do you make yourself do it it's really tough isn't it I think we always stick to we we can stick to the sport that we're more comfortable with if you've come from like a cycling or a running background especially the pool I think because you know really fit people they run a lot they get in the pool and they do a length they're like I can't breathe this is so hard so I completely understand that lack of motivation to get in I think it's really focusing on the overall goal is that if I want to do this try and I want to do it well I'm going to have to do the bit that is a bit more uncomfortable and think of ways to make it make it fun for you maybe pick it you know if you can go with a partner go down and, and go with a friend just that makes it a bit more engaging. Plan what you're going to do before you go. So don't just go, I'm going to go for a swim. I'm going to swim a thousand metres because it's no fun. Like swimming is just boring like that. So <laughs> you've got to, you know, have a little plan of what you're going to do. Make it, I'm going to do four lengths, then I'm going to have a rest. Then I'm going to do two lengths a bit harder. I'm going to have a rest. I'm going to do one. Just really kind of breaking it up. And the same with any discipline, making it, trying to make it more enjoyable for you. And it's going to be different for you, but I always find company, you have to do it. So I've said, I'm going to go and meet someone, right? I've got to go. Like committing that kind of commits you to it. Um, and always, yeah, just the, having that big overall goal. And that's what keeps you motivated and, and gets you out the door when you don't want to go. Definitely. And I, I think as well, perhaps a bit of what can you do that makes you more confident at that particular discipline? So maybe if you uh, are avoiding it because you think, I don't know, I my bike handling skills aren't very good. I don't really like cycling. Well, what can you do to actually go and improve that? Yeah, I I, I agree. It's um bike handling skills. I mean, I think running is probably the easiest because you just do it. You know, most people can run. You can work on technique and things, but you just need to do a bit of training. And even if you walk or anything, it doesn't really matter. But on the bike, there's a bit more going on, and on the swimmers. So, bike handling skills is a really good one. And it's just finding it's just get and once you've got that confidence on the bike of kind of going down hills a little bit faster and better cornering handling when to break all those different things cycling becomes such a more an enjoyable experience because you're not scared you know yep. you're not scared going down a hill fast and we have a car park near us which on a Sunday is quite quiet so we're very quiet so that's perfect just to do like some cornering and we start off really easy and as you kind of ride into it you can get a little bit faster and doing it in all weathers as well so going down there when it's raining obviously you can't push it as much then but really trying to cover all bases that you want to make sure you can get through it as confidently as as possible so it is getting yourself to do those little uncomfortable things but I suppose that's the point of having a goal isn't it and working towards something is is you know overcoming and trying to do your best and it seems like such a shame to put all this kind of training and work into doing it and then kind of coming undone just because you didn't practice going around a corner a few times but I think it's and it's a little bit more overall but actually having if you kind of decide to you want to do a triathlon then like my goal is to do a triathlon then breaking it down and okay I'm a bit nervous about the swim so what am I going to do to help this I'm going to swim twice a week and I'm going to go with my friend and then or okay the bike or I know I can complete that distance I ride indoors all the time like um, on a trainer so or on an exercise bike but I need to 
I need to go out riding at least once a week and I need to make sure I do a little bit of coin. So maybe really breaking it down onto what's making you nervous, what you can work on to do it. Again, and again, the transitions is such a good mm-hmm. idea to practice the transitions and you feel like an absolute donut sometimes like if you're, you're practicing running around with your bike outside your house which I have done and had lots of strange look <laughs> um just just practicing that but mentally practicing it too like I'm going to come out the swim this is for an open water race so a lot of you'll come out the swim they take off their hat and goggles it's like well then you're carrying your hat and goggles so you're just like oh, I'm going to put my goggles up on top of my head then I'm going to try and undo my wetsuit a little bit while I'm running and then I'm going to get to my bike and then I'm going to take off my hat and goggles then I'm going to take down my wetsuit and look at I'm doing the actions now because this is in my head I've done it so many <laughs> it's times programmed and then the helmet goes on and, and all these different things we're not if you're doing your first try it's not all about doing it as fast as possible we're not trying to be Olympic athletes where you know transition is 20 seconds it's it's not about that but at the same time you don't want to spend five minutes in transition when you could spend two so let's just try and do it efficiently so I used to use a mentor I could kind of have it in my head the plan like and then go through each step and then when you actually get to the race it becomes second nature because you've kind of gone through it in your head so many times so I used to find that that sort of visualization of transition really helped me that's such a good idea and I know you touched on before about actually getting used to seeing you know if it is a pool swim or even if it's an open water swim actually once you've done that swim where are you coming into triathlon and then where are you going to find your bike and personally so I I wear glasses and when I do a triathlon I don't wear contact lenses so that makes things a little bit tricky when I get to transition because I can't see quite as well. And my prescription sunglasses are obviously on my bike. So I really have to work hard before I do that swim, making sure I know when I come in from the swim, what, you know, what row is my bike on or, or, you know, how many, is there a big tree that I can look at that I know that my bike is near that tree. So it's just like finding little things. um, And, and don't think, just don't make sure that you, I don't know say oh there's a green bike next to mine because that green bike might not be there when you come out so use something like there's often um yeah trees or maybe uh is it near the edge of a building can you see a window by your particular spot anything that you can find to get to your spot yeah like counting the racks as well isn't yep. it? it's like I'm on the fifth rack and I'm about I'm about halfway down or a third and then you kind of get that sort of then you can start looking for your you know, thing which is there. Having a bright bike is handy. It's, <laughs> it's very bike. useful. And the the other thing, Helen, which popped into my head when you were talking about those bike handling skills. By the way, another thing which I found out from my first uh, one of the first triathlons I did was that I really wasn't very confident at taking on water from my bottle. I was not confident enough to take a hand off the handlebar and get my bottle and carry on cycling. And after that, I made sure I practiced. There was a a very, uh, like a one-way country lane uh, near us where we lived. And I got my husband to stand there with bottles that I had to like grab from him. So again, it's just these little things about practicing things that you're not too confident about. Yeah, it, completely. And like, I mean, when I first started, I couldn't drink, take a drink when I was riding my bike. And we used to stop at the top of all the hills so I could have a drink. And my dad used to stop. 
<laughs> so I think it's um yeah really important and then if you kind of progress up to longer distances taking on fuel as well like if you have an energy gel or bar or banana anything they're great skills for going out training so if you're training for a sprint distance try any triathlon the the aim is you want to know you're going to be able to comfortably complete the distance so for a sprint distance try 20 kilometers you'd probably want to be riding a bit over 20 kilometers it's not not a math if you don't quite get to 20 before the race that's fine but 20 kilometers is you'd maybe go over so to practice taking nutrition while you're on that ride or taking a drink bottle just really good skills and also another thing we haven't talked about is mm. is passing people or people passing you oh, when you're yeah. on the bike because it can be you can do all your training out on the road you get into a track and you've got people riding up to you shouting like left right and it just generally means what side they're passing you on or someone might point out something in the road so people aren't shouting at you because they're mad at you they're <laughs> which sometimes sounds like they are right now, but it's really just to give you information. So you're not going to swing out and obviously uh, into anyone else's path or someone's going to swing into your path. So giving as much kind of chat when you're riding yeah. to other people are on the course is, is really important and always give more information, I'd say, rather than less. Oh, yeah. And I think that's a really good point. So if you are going to pass someone else, say something like, I'm on your right and just make that person aware. Yeah, I think so. It's um, especially if it's quite of a narrow course, it's it's really important. Yeah, Helen, the big uh, T word training. Um, what? How, how much training should you do? I, again, I, going back to my first one, I remember thinking, well, I have to do you know a seven hundred and fifty meter swim one day, and then ride twenty k, and then run before the actual race. I don't think that was right at all. What on earth, what training should you be doing before a sprint triathlon? I think if you're looking at sprint, you have to look at, and you can do a sprint distance of, you don't have to have that much time training for it. I mean, you have to look at your current fitness levels, honestly. <laughs> like, where are my fitness levels? What could I do? Could I complete that distance? Because the aim is you always want to be able to complete it. I'd say to look at your week, your sort of average week, and really think, how many hours here have I got to train? And like, and I think we all overestimate oh, I can get an hour in before work every day and this but it's not you still need your downtime um time with family friends all of that has to be included as well so look at how many hours you've got where's your weakness if you can't swim then that's obviously something you need to to be able to get done but if you can do all three sports and really sort of dividing up your time you want a bit of easy training and a bit of hard training if you have time for two swims a week Let's do one easy. Let's do one with some more intervals in. Same for the bike. I'd say really trying to divide up your training over the three disciplines if possible and making sure it's not all hard. It's not all easy. Having a bit of variety. I mean, that's really basic, but it's giving someone a bit of a, you just want to try and get a little bit of structure around your week. So it's kind of easier for you to stick to because there's no point doing loads of training one week and then it really tailing off. And the biggest thing is, so that's just making your own kind of plan. So you've got, I see what, 10 weeks to go or six weeks to go. Let's, let's, how many hours have I got? Right. Let's divide it up. And then by the time I get to this point, I might, I should have enough time fitness to be able to get through this race. So I'd say that's a good way of looking at it. And if, um, at the moment, let's say if you can swim 400 meters, but you know that you've got to get to 750, 
should you do that gradually should you just one day think right well I'm I'm just going to try and do 750 how, how, how does that bit work oh well you could just go for it <laughs> let's see how far a bit of um just to get that confidence so I say I'd say always better to try and build into it so it's like right I can do 400 so I'm going to push it on a bit further let's see if I can get to 500 this session then the next session we're going to drop it back down we're only going to do 400 a day but we're going to mix it up and we're going to try and kind of do a little bit of intervals some hard some easy then really maybe the next week we're going to go for a bit more 550 so just give yourself that that little aim that little incremental build all week but I would say mixing in with that little bit of mixed pace stuff to try and um I don't know just build your fitness make it a bit more interesting um really mix up and people respond to different activities don't they so for me to have a everything a bit you know changing pace something to focus on really keeps me engaged and uh, I really enjoy it much more than kind of just sort of plodding plodding up and down it's time for today's lucky land horoscope with victoria cash life's gotten mundane so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to lucky land you know what they say your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandslots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandslots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. And do you think, Helen, if someone is, whether they're training for sprint or Olympic, if they only have time each week for one swim, one bike and one run, is that enough time? It does depend on your, where your fitness is. If you're going from zero fitness, I think it's it's going to be tough. That's going to be a challenge. But if you've already got kind of a bit of base fitness, you already do a bit of training, I would say, yeah, you can do it. But it's um, it might be, it depends how well you want to go. If it's just to complete yeah. it and get through it, I think for a sprint distance, that's quite manageable. So it's a, if you're an active person, the 5K shouldn't be too bad. The 20K, the swim might be a bit, should be fine. So it's just really... <laughs> It's about pacing then as well, because you you don't have a huge level of fitness. So really managing that pace control, not getting too excited in the first kilometre of the bike and <laughs> chasing after everyone. So that's when pacing, you, you really have to be honest with yourself and know where your fitness is. And I know I can hold 20k an hour on the bike for this hour and I'm going to be fine. My fitness allows me, I've only done one ride a week, but I know I can do that. But if you then get to the race and everyone around you going 30 the temptation is to really go with them and, and that's when you can come undone so really sticking to your kind of your pacing and your and your goals then and how, how do you actually pace a race because you do have to do the swim and the bike and the run and you want enough energy for that run yeah that's I think especially if a fitness isn't you isn't like really high then the pacing is important so the swim I'm sticking to what you know in training. If you do, if you do kind of train with a smartwatch and you know what your pace normally is in the swim, then maybe sticking to that. 
and a lot of it by feel as well like your perceived effort level if you think I mean it's really basic and from zero to ten zero is lying in bed tens maximum energy sprints you really want to be sat in the middle if you can hold that five or six out of ten for the whole race I mean sometimes it's going to go up you might get to a hill sometimes it's going to go down you're on the downhill but really trying to think about that effort level and then if you get too tired just have a have a walk or a rest it's it's fine to do that just to to get through I think the good thing is the runs at the end yeah. so you can walk then can't you if you want I mean, it's hard on the bike to kind of stop because you don't really want to stop and get off your bike but if you can get to the end of that bike and say right take my time in transition I'm gonna run the first kilometer quite often it's quite nice they have the markers isn't it to get that bit of motivation then I'm gonna walk for a little bit then run I think that's a having that run at the end where it's all down to you it's all your pace you're not really dictated to by anyone else on the course I think is is quite handy and sticking with um or maybe jumping back to um the training side of things right should you um should you always do things in the order of a swim so let's say a swim on a Monday a bike on a Wednesday and then a run on a Thursday or does it matter if you mix things around and that similarly Helen actually if if for example you I don't know you've got a little bit more time and you have to do two sessions in one day would it matter if you did a, a run in the morning because your swim is in the evening does it matter about the order of those things oh no it doesn't matter at all it's just doing whatever fits in best with your week because everyone's busy getting pool time is not always the easiest getting you know getting if you want to meet up with a club or do anything with with people I think it's coordinating so it, it doesn't matter I mean say you had time for six sessions a week you might not want to do your t- bike on Monday Tuesday you run on Wednesday Thursday then you know nothing else on your legs just swimming towards the end you I would say trying to kind of get a really good balance of between if you can kind of do a run or a ride and then a swim so kind of maybe making everything a bit spaced out in the week so your swims aren't stuck together. But that doesn't always work. And and generally just the training is going to get you better. And that's the thing. We do, you keep training. You don't, you don't see those improvements very quickly sometimes. I think that's when it can be frustrating. So you think, oh, I've been swimming twice a week for six weeks and nothing's happened. But it suddenly clicks. And everything you're doing counts. It does have a purpose. And it does work. Even if you watch sometimes, if you do have a watch, it's like, this was not a productive session or your D-train, you know, as my watch tells me, I'm D-training all the time. <laughs> but it's, um, it, it, everything you're doing has a benefit. And even if it's not, I think it's, you just got to do the training and it doesn't matter too much. If you can space it out a bit, brilliant. But if you can't, then just do what you can. And do you think that following a a plan is a good idea like you can get lots of plans on the internet is that is that worth doing I think it is good because it gives you a structure I mean you can look at a training plan go right oh this is what they're saying for a super sprint it gives you some really good ideas of kind of what volume you might need to do or um yeah how many sessions Mm -hmm. it gives you ideas for maybe an idea for a swim session or some intervals so great ideas but you a lot of us can't follow it exactly as it is because it doesn't work it's like oh it says do a long ride at two hours on Saturday but I've got kids football I've got to take I've got to do this I've got work I've got so it doesn't always work so I'd say structuring it within your week is is really helpful and obviously don't not getting too upset if you can't stick to it every week life happens we don't all we're not always able to stick to what is on there so I think just 
doing the best you can and, and sometimes injuries or colds or illness so you don't want to be, oh, I stuck to my program but I got a cold two weeks ago and now it's turned into an infection because I didn't rest <laughs> so really like having that general air of, of common sense around the program w- would help and actually on that if you you know if you do get a cold for a week should you then catch up on the things you've missed or uh I mean how, how do you how do you get back into it how do you do it again um I, I think it's tough because I, I think I would tend to be the athlete right I've got to catch up which is not it's not sensible you you can't really catch up because then you're going to overtrain because you did too much to ideally you you want to do things gradually but if you miss a week and then double your volume it's not not ideal so really not the best thing but I think what's hard actually about a cold is that you lose that momentum and, and sometimes that that momentum is what's giving you the motivation so it's really trying to to get back in so right okay I missed this week but I'm gonna do I'm not so say you did have a program or even a little program you'd put to yourself so I missed week three I'm not gonna go to week four I'm gonna start week three again so really just trying to pick up and um and it's not lost. It's not all lost. One session missed, one bad session, one bad week doesn't matter in the sort of the overall goal. And that's, I think we've t- I've talked a little bit about how many mm. weeks away your race might be. So if you're deciding you are going to want to do a triathlon or a sprint distance, I would give yourself a bit more time. So just that allows for a bit more to go on. I mean, if all your friends are doing one in six weeks, it's like, well, right, okay, I'm going to do it in the six weeks and let's get it done. But if it's down to you and your choice, maybe just give yourself a bit more time, a few extra weeks to train for it. I think the more time is always better. Yeah. And Helen, if you, if you do start on week three again, but you're following this 10 week plan, that means you'll obviously be a week behind for race day. Again, how, how would you like adapt that? So then you are ready for that race. Well, I think what you could do, so say you had, um, you've gone online and you've bought a plan and it's 10 weeks. And so I've missed week three. I'm going to do week three again. The, as you're getting fitter, you might get towards the end. So maybe week seven, I might skip over week seven. I'm going to jump to week eight. So that kind of puts you back on track if you're feeling fitter. And if you're not, just get to that point. Except the last week might be a taper week. Might be So taper week would be where you kind of reduce your training and effort level to get you ready for the race. You're as fresh as possible for the race. So you don't really want to miss that week. So I'd maybe miss out maybe one of the later weeks a bit later on and um, kind of started in but that's why I say having a bit more time it's like well I've got this 10 week plan but I've got 12 weeks that almost gives you that little bit of wiggle room there because you can always repeat a week if everything goes really smoothly then say oh well I'll just do week nine twice so something like that I would um it's it's really easy I've, I've worked with a coach because I've been a professional athlete so I've always had a coach that's so much easier to have someone to bounce these ideas off and and talk things through with so it's I think it's really tough when you're doing it on your own and even if you just download a program with a plan to stick to it and work around it without the almost someone saying yeah that's the right yeah. thing to do that's the I think it's quite it is quite a tough thing to do because it's um and I think a lot of us if you're really motivated you'll always, you'll always overestimate like I can do more I can do this but no I'm gonna I'm not gonna do an hour and a half I'm gonna do two hours and so I've always needed that someone to say, right, no, no, no let's stick to the plan. Let's let's bring <laughs> this down. So it's not an easy thing to do, but I think if you're if you're sensible and really listen to your body, then it it can be done. Helen, one of the biggest worries I had before this first triathlon I did was 
what the hell do I wear under the tri-suit? I think I also had my period on race day, which was not helping the matter, but it was that stress of what do you wear under a tri-suit? Do you wear knickers? Do you wear a bra? Like, what do you wear? I mean, under a tri-suit, I would not, wouldn't wear any knickers, but I would wear, um, I used to wear a sports bra because it's like, well, I'd never go running without one. So why would I start running without one now? Because, I mean, some tri-suits do have a bit more support in, which is really helpful, but um, most of the time they don't. So if you're not going to feel comfortable, then I would run a sports bra. I did try to find one which was like a bit thinner, not like a really thick, because I think you can get like some of the sort of the shock shock absorber ones, which like quite thick fabric with lots of clips. And that's not going to be the easiest thing to swim in, I wouldn't imagine. So I tried to find like a thinner one that I would use um, underneath just for a bit of comfort. Yeah, that's. And then if you do need to go to the toilet and sort of like take down your tri-suit, it's a bit easier than having nothing on underneath. But you can get two pieces to race in as well. And a lot of them, a lot of women find that really comfortable too. And these things, do they actually, there are toilets at races, right? Yeah, I know. <laughs> Not the nicest toilets normally. <laughs> if, you're doing, um, if you're doing a pool swim, benefits for pool swim, it's normally in a leisure centre, changing rooms, hooray. <laughs> but if it's um, outdoors, a country park, then yeah, not often. So there's portaloos. So one thing to put on your race kit bag would be maybe toilet paper or wet wipe, because not always there, Thing mm. something like that. Um, and then always give yourself a bit more time. When, I mean, there's generally more men do triathlon than women so the women's toilets the queue is shorter and then if there's a big line, a long line of forces with no men's or women's then you might be wasting a while because there's always those pre-race nerves which make you want to go to the toilet definitely it's a it's an important question um right Helen we haven't touched loads on this word nutrition right <laughs> what do, do we need nutrition what does it look like um again can we touch on super sprint and sprint as well and uh, and then Olympic for this? Yeah, I, you do need nutrition, um, obviously, to survive. <laughs> but I think generally you wouldn't want to change your diet for any race you're doing, change your diet massively leading up to it, for especially anything up to Olympic distance. You're going to want to eat your kind of regular diet. Um, the good thing to do is like quite often races start early, so it's what time you're going to eat before the race. I'd say that's quite important. I would tend to try and eat three hours before a race, which does mean kind of getting up quite early um, before the race to eat something. Sorry, I missed evening meal there. Your evening meal wants to be something you know you're going to you eat regularly. You know you kind of can digest it well. You know that you're fine to do training on it. I wouldn't go for a curry like the night before a triathlon, but I would eat pizza, pasta, rice, risotto, like, things I normally eat that I know I can kind of go training on the next day uh same for breakfast I would kind of keep it quite um plain normally for myself I'd go for like porridge or plain toast white bread like things like that that kind of maybe not a bacon butty like three in the morning if you're starting at six something like that <laughs> so I think it's trying to keep things pretty standard of your normal kind of food and then when you get to nutrition for racing there's there's different things you can have you can have energy gels you can have energy bars you can get like little um cubes of like jelly which are basically like haribo with like yeah. and all sorts of exciting things in them electrolytes brilliant things like that or you can have bananas like 
standard food. So where so these are things you can have. I'd say for a super sprint, it's probably not essential. I mean, what I would do is eat my meal a couple of hours, three hours before. If I'm getting towards the start of the race and I'm feeling a bit hungry, which sometimes happens, you know, if maybe having a bit of an energy bar or you know, an energy gel, whatever you like. It doesn't have to be, if you haven't been doing loads of training for it and you haven't tested out these things, it's not essential. You can have some chocolate if you want to. You can have some biscuits, just something to get a bit of sugar that's going to be easily absorbed into you. This is not nutrition. I'm not a nutritionist, obviously. <laughs> a nutritionist going, no, don't do that. Basically, it's something you know you can eat, which is not going to upset your stomach. So then you probably wouldn't need anything through a super sprint to get through it apart from water. You could have like some electrolytes powder in there, which is kind of the a powder which would contain, or you can probably pre bought pre bought drink like it's already ready done, and that would contain like things that that replace your um the the you know the salts when you sweat. Yeah. So that's quite handy to have, and you're going to get a little bit of energy from that probably too. It's a sugary one. For a sprint instance, you might want to be thinking more about nutrition. You could take a, an energy gel with you on the bike. So I used to tape mine to my bike and then just have it on there. It's quite a good reminder as well because you can see it. But you can get all kinds of little different pouches and things you can put on your bike. Or if you did decide to put a cycle shirt on, you could have it kind of in your back pocket on there. That's another thing about practicing, though. If you're going to if you are going to take this nutrition in a race, practice taking it out pockets, taking it off your bike, doing all these kind of things and also practice with that nutrition. Because you might go to a race. and Oh, my God. Great. They've got free energy gel. But if you've never had that energy gel before, you don't really know if it's going to upset your stomach or anything like that. So really having a bit of a practice beforehand if you want to use it. And I'd say moving towards Olympic distance, depending how long it's going to take you, you do definitely want some nutrition for that. You're going to want um, at least an energy gel on the bike or some sort of uh, energy cubes or a bar, like something something you, you'll feel comfortable with. Uh, and maybe something before the start as well. And maybe a drink, you're thinking having some carbohydrates and electrolytes in that drink. I mean, there's so many different options out there of drinks and nutrition. So it's really kind of having a bit of a look and seeing what um, what looks good, what you fancy, what do I say? Oh, I like that flavour. I'm going to try that and giving it a go. Fab. Um, I think there'd be probably nutrition is one of those topics that there's always so many questions about. But I think as basics that's a good thumbs up uh from here um Helen I know that the her spirit community as well um sent in some questions so let's just make sure that we cover some of those so I guess um Luby covers on or touches on and you touched on it before as well about the fact that when you get out the pool or at the lake you're obviously very very wet and especially in the UK it can be very cold okay so how do you stay warm on a cold day yeah it's a tough one I think um so you're doing your pool swim you come running out of this boiling hot pool as they are and like, freezing so I think that's um I think just toweling off if it's not too cold a day you can probably just get out there in your tri suit because you're going to warm up your tri suit like you, the suit you'd be racing in probably just warm up as you're going but if it is cold temperatures I would suggest putting on some clothes on the bike gloves really important um maybe um a, a, you know a jacket or something uh, something you maybe normally cycle in 
so you're comfortable cycling in it but that little bit of extra protection because the last thing you want to do is do all this training it's a really can be a really off day you don't want to not finish because it's been cold so putting on a bit extra the problem is once you've got it on it's hard to take off unless you just discard it to somebody on the course <laughs> which is also really you don't want to overdress but really trying to find that sort of happy medium and if you've been doing a bit of cycle training outside most of us might have like a light waterproof something that's going to keep off the rain uh, and maybe a bit of that wind which can make us uh, make us cold and do socks make a difference Helen would you go I I know you would go no socks uh, from from your racing but for because you've got to be quick but uh, are socks worth putting on um I'd say more for the run um just avoid blisters and different things like that um I think especially if you're going up if you decide you want to go up to longer distances I think socks really important for runs and things you don't want to be doing um half marathons in in bed oh no you don't normally look pretty after that um I mean I think you don't have to put socks on that's just generally a comfort thing it also depends on what shoes you've got as well like bike shoes like my bike shoes are quite tight so I wouldn't have put socks on with them but if you've got the bike shoes you always train in um then yeah and, and if you're not putting cycling shoes on as well then yeah and you just kind of have your trainers in why not just put your socks straight on it might but you might want to say dry your feet off on on like a towel I mean I don't mean you have to sit down and get your towel out and like rub your feet dry but if you've got a towel on the ground next to you if you can just kind of stamp on that a bit more a few times kind of wipe your feet off then that would probably be enough to dry them off a bit and and yeah maybe a little bit warmer. And uh, the other question actually is and this one I uh, this one's a good one okay so can you use a mountain bike or do you have to have a road bike now I want to tell you my again go back to that first triathlon um my dad said to me a few days before the race, he said, Helen, what bike are you going to use? And uh, I was like, well, my my mountain bike, <laughs> it's the only bike I've got. Uh, and this is like the kind of mountain bike that you had when you were about 14 or 15. And I think he thought, don't do that. Borrow, borrow my bike. Um, so honestly, I, I went back to my parents' house and um, the day before I had, this is what not to do, by the way. Uh, he, I, I had to go around the block. <laughs> he put the saddle right down on his road bike. So yeah, my my first time, proper first time on his road bike was actually in a in a race. I would have been fine though, Helen, wouldn't I, on my mountain bike? Oh yeah, you would be. <laughs> and especially if you if you're picking a triathlon which has a lot of beginners. And I think if it, you are a beginner and this is your first try, then really go for like the smaller local ones where you might get beginners or this is a try a try there's like quite a lot of like small events which are geared towards people who are doing their first triathlon then you're not going to be the only one on a mountain bike people are going to take every bike and just go no and this is the thing this is why I do think triathlons friendly because I've been at events where I've seen people go past a mountain so everyone's like clapping true it's like it's not about I think it could seem really intimidating when you go to a triathlon because everyone's there with like their really flash bikes their pointy helmets like talking about nutrition and carbs and <laughs> FTPs, things you do not need to know about for your first triathlon so it's really yeah just just go for it and just you can do it on any bike and and this is the thing if you do want to get into it then and take it a bit more seriously then that's the time to progress and get a road bike you don't want to put out a lot of expense for something you might you're not sure about so doing it with the equipment you have or borrowed equipment or you know cheap secondhand equipment you don't have to have like the best stuff like to start off with I think it's really just doing it with what you have and, and trying to 
go out there and, and see if this is something which you enjoy and then then that's the time to maybe think about you know you know a different kind of bike and uh, you've 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 mentioned about borrowing equipment and things and i think if you're doing a triathlon which has a, an open water swim there are some triathlons that actually allow you to maybe hire a wetsuit um but what about if you are going to be doing this open water swim and it will be your first time doing open water swimming how do, how do you pick a wetsuit helen <laughs> I know, and it's a mind because you if you go and say, right, I'm gonna buy a wetsuit. And so you go on all different websites like, right, what? There's so much range in price, there's so much range in that, and every different wetsuit is gonna have different kind of specifications of this height, that weight. So I mean, generally I think they work quite well. It's like, well, I'm this high and that weight, so this puts me into this wetsuit. But if you do have an opportunity to go and try on a suit before you invest in one, I say a lot of the like outdoor shows, cycling shows, triathlon shows, that's a really good place to go and actually try on wetsuits because there's so many different brands will go and you can really get a feel for what you like and what fits. But recommendations as well. You know, I'm quite lucky I'm in a swimming club, but if you do know anyone in a tri club or if you decide to join a tri club, you'll get recommendations from them. You might be able to try on somebody's suit who might be a similar size to you and think, well, yeah, this is going to work. I would watch videos on how to put on a wetsuit well. You've got a very good video on how to put a wetsuit on well, Helen. No, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, you have. Know. Yeah. <laughs> years ago. Um, so, but yeah, look at that one. <laughs> I look very young and <laughs> I'm probably fitter than I do now. Um, so yeah, putting on a wetsuit well is actually really important. So making sure you've got all the material at the top where near your shoulders. So the more material you've got up near your top and your shoulders and neck, you'll feel less restricted, which sounds weird, me just saying it, but you'll understand once you start trying to put on a wetsuit and practice in it. If you can't get to open water practice, which is not always, it's not always viable. You know, there might not be a location near you. You might not have anyone to go with safely. It just doesn't work for you. Then go wear it in the pool. I mean, you might look silly, but who cares? Like you might be hot. But it's like, well, I'm just going to get in for 10 minutes and try my wetsuit and see how I feel. And also when you get out of the pool, try taking it off fast in your house on and off on and off on and off practice your transitions in the house I mean we talked about putting on your trainers to make it a little bit easier you can put elastic laces in your trainers so you don't have to worry about doing up your shoe not just for speed but doing up your laces in the race so you could um put elastic laces in practice that in the house slipping your feet in slipping your feet out all these little things it's um it's good to practice I think I, I have previously um, basically got in the shower in my wetsuit, Helen, and then... <laughs> good idea, because you, your wetsuit's wet, so you can practice getting it off wet, right? <laughs> practice getting it off. Um, Helen, what about, we talked about the motivation for the actual training. What about uh, kind of motivation and that positive mindset during a race? So if something goes wrong so maybe your goggles come off in the swim because perhaps someone's hand gets a bit close to you or maybe oh you get a puncture on the bike what do you do in those scenarios I think it's it's really tough and again like we've said for everything training and practice so almost like having a bit of plan of what happened I mean we talked about my first race earlier my first wetsuit swim I mean I stopped on the way to the first boy I was like <laughs> my wetsuit felt too tight and, and it wasn't too tight like I'd made sure it was, it was on before it was the first time I'd worn it properly in a race and I was I felt overwhelmed that there were people all around me and um 
I did not have a plan at this point. I was like 16 doing a race. So I was just like, well, I got through it. But I think back to that race and I think, well, what I should have been thinking was to try and stay as calm and relaxed as possible because something's gone wrong. You know, I think especially with open water, there's quite a lot of, con there can be quite a lot of contact, which can be quite stressful. So I was being prepared for that or someone might touch me. So trying not to get too stressed. I'm just going to relax. I'm just going to get through it as quickly and easy as possible because the more stressed you get, the more worked up you can get, you get a big adrenaline dump, it just feels terrible. So, and I always think I'd feel so much worse if I stopped, if I actually stopped here and didn't finish, I'd feel terrible. So I, you know, I've just got to keep going just to, even though I get, if I go around slowly, it doesn't matter. I just want to keep going. So plan, and you can practice this in training as well. If you're going through a hard session and it's really hurting, you're not feeling good, kind of what do you say to yourself to keep yourself going what keeps you motivated it's like getting to that finish line what little phrases do you say to yourself to to keep yourself motivated because most people have one it's like come on you've got to keep it going it's like keep those legs going round on the bike or it's like oh this is a big hill it's like just taking your time like you can do this you've got this so what do you say to yourself and that's like talk you might have used in in your session so bringing that into the race I think things like you said, like mechanicals with punctures, that's tough to deal with, especially if you're new to triathlon mm. and cycling. I think the mechanics can seem quite overwhelming. So if you can, practicing doing punctures and puncture repairs before, you know, any sort of, well, before training as well, because it's good to go out with that knowledge. If you're going out for a bike ride, the knowledge that you can change your tyre and get home. So again, a lot of practice of doing that. Um. I would say if you've got local bike shops is becoming friendly with a local bike shop, which sounds, I mean, sometimes going there and buying a couple of tubes, it's more expensive than ordering them on, online, but you might get that bit of advice. It's like, oh, my gears, um, can you just help me with these? And and kind of getting people to show you so you get some basics. YouTube again, like always, there's always really good information. When I went to my first 70.3, my one and only 7.3, um, I couldn't get my um, rear wheel out because of the oh. way it kind of came out of the back of the bike. And I was like, you know, I should, I should be able to do it with a professional athlete. It's the first time I'd used this bike, first time I travelled with the bike. Um, I just, you know, I'd, I'd had a baby, so I hadn't been anywhere for, he was nine months old, but I hadn't been anywhere training properly with my bike. So, it was so stressful but again so I got on YouTube and kind of figured it out got it sorted and then I did get a mechanic at the race um to to have a look and if you go to bigger races quite often there'll be some sort of mechanics or bike shops at the race I'm thinking of big races mm. with expos but yeah trying to get that confidence there's always going to be someone who can kind of help you but I would say trying to get as confident as you can and relying on yourself. But mechanicals are hard in races. And sometimes if it's a bad mechanical, you can't do anything about it. And that's that's just it. That's the way it is. But it's um, get good, get confident. I think that's really important. And a, a couple of other bike things, Helen. Uh, one of them, when when you're racking your bike, so before you've you've done this, trans, uh, before you know, you've done the swim, so you've just got to the race, you're, you're putting your bike there there's a very important thing that you need to do with your gears, right? So then when you come out the water, what, what do you need to do to make sure when you've racked your bike? So when you rack your bike, you want to make sure it's in an easy gear. You don't want to be jumping onto, getting onto your bike and you've got it in your hardest gear and you're grinding out or <laughs> almost like falling off because you, you've got it in too big a gear. So make sure you drop it down into your small chain ring at the front and maybe in the middle or top, you know, one of the easier gears at the back. So you want to start off in a nice, easy gear. 
Amazing. And then my my only other question would be, I guess one of the things maybe in the days before your race and actually every time before you go out on your bike, make sure the tires are pumped up, right? Yeah. Make sure you've got um, yeah air in your tires and, and just having that basic knowledge of your bike, making sure that it's all safe and secure, that nothing's going to go wrong in the race. You need to be safe going out on the bike. Like that is so important. And if it's a wet day, don't pump your tires up to maximum, like just keep it in the middle as well respond to the conditions that are but these are you know there's so much information isn't it but they're just little things that become they become second nature to you once the more bike riding you do and everything you do is just making sure that bike is is safe and rideable oh and and Helen I want to end on a very very positive note rather than a piece of information I don't know words of wisdom for for people um I would say like I'm a planner so like every race I go to this is from my first triathlon through to kind of going to the Olympics. I would write a plan for the race. So, uh, what time am I going to what time am I going to arrive? What time am I going to register? What time am I going to wrap my bike? I mean, it doesn't always stick to plan, but I would have this order in my head of what I was going to do. What I'd write it down. Um, what time will I take my energy gel? And then I'd write my plan for the race. Right, swim. So take it out. Don't take it out too fast at this point. Kind of again it doesn't always stick to it but having this plan really really helps me um and I'm less likely to forget to do things you know like I'll take my gel before the start or I'm going to take my gel on at this point on the bike or remember to keep drinking just writing it all down really helps and especially if you're doing your first race read all the information where transition is and kind of take everything with you don't rely on anyone else don't think or oh, someone else is going to take a pump if you need it take it take extra clothes just extra just be as like prepared as you can be and I uh, just try and enjoy it I mean that's I mean it's making it sound really nerve-wracking kind of all this stuff but the you, you've got to enjoy it you put the work in so just get out there and enjoy it and if you're having those bad moments think about how you'll feel when you cross that finish line even if it's gone badly you're still going to be pleased you've got to the finish line <laughs> oh definitely and I think my um the one thing I would say is beware <laughs> in a really good way uh it can be quite addictive so yeah just just be prepared for the uh addictive you'll probably get hooked to it and I think it is it is a very life-changing thing to get into I you know so many people um I have met so many people through triathlon it's really impacted my life over the last decade and I'm so glad I did that first triathlon I, I was so nearly not going to do it but yeah it's an amazing sport Oh, I agree. And the people you meet and the friends you can make. And I think just that sense of accomplishment of doing something which is challenging and kind of putting yourself through it. I think that's what you um really, you know, a great sense of self-worth from from doing something like that. Just really kind of putting yourself out there, learning these tough skills. And uh, yeah, it's uh, it's so enjoyable. Definitely. And a very much a lifestyle, like the healthy healthiness of it and just it becomes part it's almost like it's not even training it just becomes part of what you do it and it's brilliant yeah I know well I don't race anymore but I do still swim bike and run just because I think it's habit now to keep it going but yeah you're right it's um it's that sort of healthier lifestyle and building those sort of healthy habits that even if you're not you haven't got a race on the horizon you can kind of keep ticking over with uh with training and yeah just just enjoying it thanks for listening to the inside try show If you want to get in touch or get a little bit more information on anything, then reach out to Helen on Instagram or Twitter at Inside Tri Show.
I hope you found that helpful. If you have, please, please, please share it. It makes a huge difference when it comes to actually who finds out about the podcast and who can listen to it. So if there's yeah one thing that you could do after listening to this, it would be to share it maybe with a friend, maybe with a training buddy, maybe within your triathlon club or community. If you really, really loved it, uh, I do have a patron. <laughs> it is patreon.com forward slash inside try show. And for regular patrons, you get two extra episodes a year and the latest one has been out for a couple of weeks now. So you can go and give that a listen. Now, also, regular listeners will know I love sharing your news and what you have been up to. So Jessica said, I did a three-mile swimathon on Friday night, followed by sunny strolls on Dartmoor. Keith, oh, Keith, this one made me so happy. You said, I went out on my bike for the first time since my accident. No more purgatory in our shed of pain. So Keith actually broke his wrist uh, earlier on, a couple of months ago. I broke my wrist back in the summer of 2022, so I completely get it. And Keith said it was slow and my arm hurt at the end of the ride, but I am back. I am my Copenhagen is getting closer, but if I get to the start, I will get to the finish. Keith, I love that attitude. And the one thing I have said, which I still can't do very well, is planking, like a high plank with my hands down. I can do it, but it is a little bit painful. But everything else is actually okay. So Keith, I was thrilled to read that and keep it going, keep up with it. Simon, you said, I did a hilly half marathon on Saturday and then I spent Sunday bathing and avoiding bending. Simon, I think you need to get on the on the yoga, to be honest. <laughs> it's amazing. You'd be able to bend the next day, I swear. David, you said, I did a six-mile run into work yesterday in some warmish sunshine and I've got the bike ready for the first long outdoor ride tomorrow. As for me, well, I'm just ticking along, to be honest. I've got my first triathlon in a very long time coming up very soon. Um, and I'm feeling like I'm looking forward to it. So I'm doing one called The Rock. It goes up Snowdon. Um... You start with a sea swim. Not so excited about that bit. <laughs> it'll be all right. I'm sure it'll be fine. I'm just in denial. But yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. And I think the thing that I'm really, really excited about with The Rock is that I'm actually going to be taking a team of five Inside Tri Show podcast listeners to the same event, but in September. So yeah, that is the thing I can't wait for. So if I can share some of my experiences from doing it in May and hopefully bring a little bit of confidence to those five as well, well, there you go. That will be fantastic. So yeah, if you have enjoyed it, you could share it. That would be brilliant. There'll be more brilliant interviews out over the next coming weeks. I do a podcast every single week and you can find all the information at insidetryshow.com. So just before I go, if you need nutrition, you can get 20% off at otesports.co.uk. It's award-winning nutrition. They fuel the likes of the Brownie Brothers and Georgia Taylor Brown. So you can get stocked up. The code you need is inside-try-20. There are links in the show notes, by the way. And form swim if you enjoy your swimming, you want to up your swimming game, Form Swim also sponsor the podcast every other week with real-time metrics as you swim to help keep you motivated. You can get a 15% discount 
It's formswim.com forward slash pages forward slash inside try show. Again, the links are in the show notes. But that is it for this week. So thank you so much for listening. Happy training, happy racing, and we'll catch up again next week. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.